Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. <laughs> because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears with TampaBay.com. And today, our epic, long-awaited interview with William Catt. That's right, the greatest American hero. Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be? And with me, wearing his magic jammies, it's time pop culture maven Sean Daly. Look at what's happening to me, Spizzy. I'm uh, jacked, baby. I don't want to look what's happening when you're wearing those PJs. <laughs> look how excited I am in my PJs. Get a little I, sn- I, I am like pumped on Laffy Taffy. I'm so excited about this show. I love this show. I got like season one and season two of Grace American Hero on DVD. Well, you had season one. Now I have yeah, season one, I'm and you're never getting it back. I know. You got like 50 of my DVDs. I'm pretty sure I bought that copy. Some of my adult titles. Yeah, Romancing the Bone. I bought. That's totally mine. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So we got William Cat. Tell us a little bit how you landed the William Cat interview. Totally by accident. They actually came to us. It was great. We're, we're that powerful. We're we're we are pop culture mavens. Like I described you, I, I am at least half a maven. <laughs> You're I'm a, ma- I'm a mattress. You're a <laughs> Well, that's cool. And so I think then William Catt just said, hey, you know, let's tear down these celebrity barriers and let's be friends. Yeah. And, he, and was he our friend? He, oh, my gosh. How giddy was I really to talk to him? It was like, <laughs> William Catt. Because <laughs> you right off the bat, you go, well, you know, can I call you Bill? <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't say like I'm trying to seduce him. Are you trying to seduce me, Sean? No, William Catt. I love Greatest American Hero. I was 11 years old when it debuted in 1981. Right, it lasted for three seasons on ABC, uh, 81, 82, 83. Started as a two-hour pilot movie that a lot of people remember. Yeah, and so it was really built on the convergence of the Star Wars craze. Yeah. Because you have this super suit. Honey, where's my super suit? What movie is that from? <laughs> the Incredibles. Come on, man. But forget about I never that. saw Anyway, it. the convergence of Star Wars phenomenon, because you have these aliens descending and giving Ralph Hinckley the suit, but also Superman. So it was like uh, sci-fi and superheroes were big in the in the right. early '80s. Well, throw in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and you, exactly. and you sort of have it all put together. Yeah. And um, so uh, a young a young lad by the name of William Cat. He was uh, he, he corrected late was, late late twenty seven right twenty seven twenty eight did that. He had already appeared in Carrie with his curly mop of blonde hair. Yes, which, which um, he still has today. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah, he can't. He can't cut his hair now. He's stuck with that. Oh, he's hair. like Samson. Dude. He, can't he can't pull a Peter Frampton on us. <laughs> that that that's that mop is here to stay. There's bad blood between you and Frampton yeah, because is. you talked about his hair. Yeah, he was, you, now yeah. you're trying to egg on Frampton now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's listening. Um, but anyway, so yeah, he of course made his big debut. He had been doing some theater. William Cat made his big debut in Carrie. Yeah, 
by Brian De Palma. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, he had auditioned for another movie. And what was that movie called, Steve? A little ditty called Star Wars. Yes, yes. Yeah. Wayne Cat tried out for the role of Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And now on one of the box sets, you can see that tryout. Correct? Yeah, on the DVDs, you can see the tryouts. And you can, I believe, also see Kurt Russell trying out for Han Solo. Which is kind of badass, too. I mean, yeah. listen, Harrison Ford. No, well, now they're so iconic. It's like, I only still... Mark, the great Mark Hamill. No. And, 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 uh, and, and, and Billy Cat, as we like to call him now, yeah, Billy. Does, talk, does, talk about, uh, does talk about Mark Hamill. But I think, and the more I think about it, I think uh, William Cat would have made a better Luke Skywalker. I think so, too. Mark Hamill's kind of a wuss. He would look better in the robes. Yeah. Tatooine. Uh, William Katz, he's he's no small guy. I mean, he's no he's no little wee little uh, Mark Hamill. He could carry the role. Yeah, he would have been good. But you know what? No regrets for uh, no. my friend Heck Bill Cat. No. no regrets. So you hear that? He'll talk about how he feuded with Robert Culp. Great story. Who Robert Culp played Bill Maxwell, the FBI agent who gets teamed up with Ralph Hinckley, the common man, and together they solve crimes and save the world and seduce Connie Selica. Kind of like us. Which one of us is the William, uh, is the Robert Culp character? Oh, that's me. Because I'm older and I'm grumpier and gruffer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And me, I'm sprightly. <laughs> I can fly like a fairy. And you have curly locks. Just and then like... Connie Selica plays Pam Davidson, yep. his girlfriend. And I'm telling you, Connie Selica is hot. She looks really good back then. If we ever get around to doing a Babes of the 80s podcast. Yeah. Which won't be nearly as good audio as it would be video. <laughs> or just uh, some magazine covers in a dark uh, yeah. room. Oh, why? Why? It would be a this great is podcast. a family show today. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm going to invite my entire family. No, not anymore. The Von Trapps to come listen to. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, one Connie thing- Selica would be in our Babes of the 80s. She's stunning. And back then she was married to a, a, a young man by the name of Gil Gerard. Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. God, I worshipped Buck Rogers in the 20th century. Gil Gerard was like my, is my role model. Everything I am today, Gil Gerard. Really? And Gil Gerard, um, we, we tried to get William Catt to badmouth Gerard and uh, have some sort of gossip about him and Connie Selica, but he doesn't take the bait. No, no. He doesn't take the bait. A- so anyway, uh, yeah, it's a great iconic show. It's a great interview. Um, Steve and I are a little tongue-tied at times. It, it happens. But Wimcat is so great and forthcoming, I think you're going to love it. Let's play it up now. Ladies and gentlemen, William Cat. Uh, William Cat, are you there? I am certainly here. Hey, this is Sean Daly. I'm a pop culture writer here at the St. Pete Times. How are you? Hey, Sean. I'm fine, man. Do I, do, do I call you William or Bill? What do, what do people in the industry uh, call no, you? No, just call me Bill. That's fine. All right, Bill. I feel better. I feel like we're buddies already. Um, oh, good. Okay, man. Yeah, so Steve and I, you know, we have this show here, and uh, we're writers for the paper, too. And, of course, we're uh, big fans of your show. We have the DVDs. Oh, cool. Know? And uh, when Steve said that he was contacted by the great Bill Cat, <laughs> I'm, oh, like, I'm like, what are you talking about? That's awesome. I mean, I mean, we, uh, you know, we grew up watching that show. And, uh, and I, two things. One, you have uh, the comic books, right? You have yes, ca- I do. Ca- yeah. Catastrophic comics. And, uh-huh. you're, and you're putting out a Greatest American Hero comic? Yeah, we've done uh, – actually, our third book just came out, issue number three. Um, concluding, uh, what we did was we, uh, uh, because uh, at Stephen Cannell's request, who created the show, right? He wanted us to retell the first three, epi- the first uh, opening two-hour pilot. So that's what we did in the first three books. Although we updated it a bit and we changed uh, a few of the components of the story. How'd you change it? 
Ralph originally had a young son, Kevin, uh, that never really paid off. We kind of lost him uh, very quickly early on in the show. And so we didn't pay that off. We gave him a roommate uh, and paid homage to the character by calling the roommate Kevin, uh, cool. a young uh, a college geek. And uh, we also answered a few questions that over the years have uh, fans have always uh, talked about. One being is whatever happened to the lost uh, instruction book that, that Ralph loses in the desert right away? And uh, who finds that book? And what other powers is the suit capable of... of uh, of uh, orchestrating. Right, so cool. we, uh, we approached and answered, I think, both of those in, this, uh, in, in our second and third book of the three-part series. Just for <laughs> people who don't know, uh, Stephen Cannell slash Cannell did uh, A-Team, uh, mm -hmm. Greatest American Hero, Rockford Files. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, his, his, and he's still, it was, he's about 68 now, right, 69, and he's still, uh, now he cranked out a Greatest American Hero movie script, right? Doesn't he have a script? Yeah, yeah, he did. Just to digress one second, Stephen, other than Aaron Spelling, is probably uh, one of the most successful independent producers in the history of television. Right. Um, I, and I, I think the number uh, is about 43 different TV series that he's created over the years. Wow. Jeez. Um, more recently, uh, he, he got out of the, the TV uh, uh, business and he started just writing books. Uh, and he's written uh, at least a half a dozen or so bestsellers now. And uh, recently he did uh, make a deal for the A-Team is, uh, is, is, is in pre-production for a film. And, I, and Greatest American Hero, I read a very, very funny script about six or eight months ago of uh, a retelling and updating of Greatest American Hero. And it was, uh, I, I applauded Stephen for it because it was just wonderful. Does, uh, does the script of the movie, the remake, does it kind of retell the story, like restart it? We, they, what he does, and, and this is Stephen's word, he kind of hangs the story uh, on, on the same premise, but he hangs it a little bit differently, you know? It's very, it's very modern. Uh, obviously, it's, uh, uh, it, it's going to be, you know, we didn't have a, a computer animated uh, graphics at the time, so there was no CG. Right. Uh, now they have, uh, you know, uh, they have to rise to what the industry standard is with, with Iron Man and, and Transformers, and, and it's going to be told in that fashion. It's going to be just spectacular. Well, it's almost a shame because, I mean, to me, some of the appeal of the original TV show was – you know, no computers, real low tech. I mean, when you crash into a brick wall, I mean, styrofoam brick walls, I mean, fall, fall on you. I mean, I, I, I don't want to see them do to Greatest American Hero what they did to Land of the Lost, you know? Oh, I, well, I don't think it's... Well, you know, Will Ferrell, he has his own brand of, of humor, you know? And, and, and I think that one of the reasons the Greatest American Hero initially worked was that it was... Uh, and the way I always played it was a real guy in an absurd situation. So we always played it for the truth. And Will Ferrell and some of the comedians, you know, Ben Stiller and whatnot, they, they, they have a more comedic bent on things. You know what I mean? I watched an episode last night, the 200-mile-an-hour fastball. Ah, which I nice, guess yeah. Is that like the first episode of season two or something like that? I'm geeking out a bit here. But I, 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 re, I, I was struck by how, like, earnest. The show, I mean, the show was funny, you know, and cheeky, yeah. and Bob Culp was great. But you were such an earnest character, you know, and kind of sweet and, 
You know. I was an idiot. Come on, you can say. <laughs> no, not an idiot at all. I mean, you were kind of hurt when the, 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 the school kids didn't want to come see you play baseball. I, don't know, I, I mean, I was really charmed by it all over again. Oh, that's so great. So, was yeah, it- you know, it, it, it's funny. I, I didn't really have an opportunity at the time because you're working so much. You don't have a time to, <coughs> to see these episodes. But when the DVDs came out, um, I became a fan like everybody else out there. I became a fan of the show. I, I didn't realize uh, just what there was, you know, uh, at the time until I saw it all these years later. And then I go, oh, my God, that was some funny stuff. Hey, I want to ask, was it mostly, were you on a rig when you were flying in front of a green screen? Is that what they were doing? Well, um, it it changed during the course of the show. When we first did it, it was just after uh, Donner had done the first Superman, right? Right. So we, we, um, we inherited some of the techniques that they used on that picture where they actually hung me with some piano wires on an apparatus for my my hip, and they flew me from one end of a of a stage in Paramount that was painted entirely blue. And they they rigged the cameras and they would zoom me down to the concrete and then zoom me up, you know, 35 feet in the air and from one end to the other. About a, there was about a 120 foot uh, span, I think. And that's the way we did it. Um, the first season. Uh, but by the time the second season rolled around, they were already uh, beginning to experiment with green screen uh, and using computers. So what would happen is that they would put me on a, on a harness, but they would fly the camera around me instead of me flying around the camera. Did you like doing all that stuff? Oh, gosh, it was great. I, I love doing all that stuff. I, You know, I was uh, pretty... <laughs> Pretty darn egocentric, you know, uh, and uh, at the time, and I thought I could do anything. So I, I tried to do as many stunts as they would let me do. I would do all that stuff. All right, here's the deal I got to ask. Did you ever say, you know, can I learn to fly in this episode? <laughs> I mean, how come it was like even season two, you were still kind of like that clumsy flyer? Didn't you ever say, you know what, by now I think I got a hang of it? Yeah, you know, I don't know. That was uh, that was kind of the powers that be, you know, it was – I think the show is more than the one trick, but, uh, you know, more than just that premise. But, but, but it was one of the things that, uh, that was kind of charming that they wanted to retain. So, I, you know, it wasn't up to me. All right. Uh, talking about the movie, I'll, I'll ask you this right now. Uh, now, are, are, obviously, there's a role for you there. You know, are, are they, are they going to let you be a Ralph Hinckley again, or are you going to be like his, you know, Jedi? No, no, no. I, I don't know exactly what Stephen is, is talk, talking about, but I do know that he, we're, you, you know, it's paying homage to the original show, and I think the fans want to see it, too. You know, we'll all have small little uh, cameo roles. You know, I'll, I'll be pushing a broom, and Bob Culp will be, a, <laughs> you know, a, a security guard or something, it's and like Connie will be a... The CEO, I, I don't know, but, it, you know, I don't think it'll be much more than that. Uh, you've been asked this before. I'm going to ask you again. Who do you want to play you? Who do you think would be a good Ralph Hinckley, 2009, 2010? Oh, well, you know, gosh, years ago they had talked about, because this has been around, you know, this was over at Disney for a while, uh, like 2003, 2004, they talked about it, but it never got off the ground. So Steve got the rights back, and I think they're making a deal with Fox, although, you know, don't... Uh, you know, don't don't hold me to that. This is only third party. But years ago, they talked about Owen Wilson for the role, and I think he would have been great. He certainly got that 
he's got that great edge to him. Yeah, but he also, I don't know that it's a little. He's a little long in the tooth right now to do it. Now all these, you know, six or seven years later. Um, one of my favorite young actors, if he had not already done a great big uh, action-adventure film, would have been Shia LaBeouf. I think the kid is just brilliant. I used to watch him with my daughter when he was doing Even Stevens. Right. And I would say, geez, that kid is fantastic. Now, how old were you when you... You were about, what, 30 years old when you took the part originally? No, I was uh, late 27, maybe very... I just turned 28, maybe. Wow. And you'd already kind of cut your teeth with Carrie. Yeah, I did carry, and, you know, I've been a, a professional actor. I, you know, I started in the theater, so uh, I was always a thespian, started at South Coast Repertory. I did a lot of repertory theater and played a bajillion parts. And uh, In fact, when Stephen approached me for the, you know, for the Greatest American Hero, I was on stage with Diana Weist and a bunch of the people from the Guthrie doing the Michelle Tremblay play called Bonjour la Bonjour at the Manhattan Theater Club. Um, yeah, so I but I had done a lot of a lot of TV and film by then, and but Carrie really broke me out. Now, and you when know? you were when you auditioned for Carrie, you were also uh, auditioning for another little small movie, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. George uh, George Lucas and and Brian De Palma were were uh, conducting auditions at the same time, which is really unusual. Um, I think that they were consolidating their efforts and, and really uh, looking at all of the young Hollywood uh, up-and-comers at the time, all the young women and, and, and all the young men. Uh, uh, me, Kurt Russell, and I lucked out in doing uh, our, our uh, uh, an auditions for uh, – we did a reading, which I think was immortalized now on the, uh, on the DVDs that came out when they – when they re-release, when George uh, re-released that. Oh, really? We can find your audition for Luke Skywalker, huh? You can with Cam Russell with uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, I had no idea. I knew about you, but I had no idea about Kurt Russell. I think you would have. Kurt been... and I did the audition together. I think. I you... think he's always blaming me for him not getting that part of Han Solo. <laughs> I think you would have been a great Luke Skywalker. <laughs> I don't know. Mark Hamill did an awesome job. He was he was the right guy at the right time, and and I didn't do so bad. You know, I got to play Tommy Ross and Carrie, so I've had a decent career myself. So it's like six degrees of William Cat because you were dating Amy Irving, okay, I was, yeah. who then went on to marry Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. right? And you auditioned for. Uh, yeah, you're all over the place. You're like, uh, it's like, what's it, Zelig, you know? You're like, in great pop culture moments, William Cat is there. <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I got to call up my wife right now and tell her. All right, so give us a little scoop about, about uh, back on the show. How was it working with uh, Robert Culp? Uh, you know, originally, uh, I think Bob Culp and I felt the... Uh, felt the same about each other, you know? I, I know that he thought I was a pain in the ass, and I felt the same. Uh, but uh, just two weeks or so into it, I knocked on his trailer door, and we kind of, metaphorically speaking, kind of duped it out in his trailer and worked it out and became, honestly, very, very good friends from thereafter. And, uh, and I'd say we're even better friends now, 30 years later. But that probably helped, because the characters were kind of, you know, always a little bit contentious, too. You know, I, I do think that. I mean, what you saw on screen was really what it was like off screen. Uh, we did not like each other initially, and I think we kept that going. It was always a very 
a cordial professional relationship, but but at, at arm's length, you know. And um, I, I I do think that that worked for uh, to, for the benefit of the show. And Connie and I became very very dear friends, and and still are to this day. Connie Selica back then might have been the hottest woman of all time. I was. I think she was the hottest woman of all time. Oh my, my God, I would be uh, just a casual bystander. I would walk watch her walk into a room, and literally every head in the restaurant would turn. Did uh, Gil Gerard ever come and like threaten to kick your ass if you messed around with his woman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I always made sure I had the super suit on when he came to the set. <laughs> the Magic Jammies. That's right. Yeah. Man. You, don't, you don't fool with them. The, I was watching last night. I was rewatching a pilot again, and I'm staring at this one character, and I just realized that uh, it's Michael Paré, you know, as your troublesome student. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys have a really – you guys seem to have a really – from right from the beginning, a, a really nice relationship, and it's just kind of nice to see a face, you know, like his that, you know, would go on to do some other great work in the 80s. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. Michael is one of the you know one of the few guys that I know professionally that still calls me Billy. He calls me Billy Cat. I said, Michael, you can't call me that. I'm like really an adult now. He said, No, Billy Cat, Billy Cat. I saw him yesterday. Actually, we had coffee. He's getting ready to head off to Indonesia. He's going to do a movie over there. Oh, fantastic! We don't see enough of him. Did I see that he was doing some voice work though uh, for a comic that you were doing? Yeah, yeah. Well, we did. Uh, you know, one of our first books that we did with the company, Catastrophic Comics. Um, and you can go to our website and see it, but uh, we're doing some motion comics. And, and what that is basically is you take the, 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 the panels of the comic book and you animate them um, and you make them move and you add music and, and the actors uh, speak their voices and you add effects and music and it's a little six-minute movie essentially and it's really, really cool. And Michael Perret did the voice of Ian Sparks. Right. Right, I saw. That's cool. That's nice how that works out. Yeah, yeah it's really, really nice. There's another um, uh, cult project you had in the 80s that uh, when we told our fans that we were going to talk to you, everybody said, ask him about the movie House. Ah. People love that movie. Yeah, that was, that was a really good movie, and we, we, we actually had no idea how cool that was going to be. Um, but, you know, Steve Miner, and, and i got to give credit where credit is due, Steve Miner who's a very underrated uh, director these days, but at the time, he was really up and coming. He'd done the Halloween films and produced them for Sean Cunningham, and he was going to do this breakout film. Everybody could feel it. And we got on the set, and uh, it was his comedy bent, because the guy is really out in left field somewhere. He is really askew. He's a wacko, but a lovely man. Steve Miner did Soul Man, right? He directed Soul Man. Yeah, yeah. The great, so, all right. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so he, he you know, all that that comedy that that was there. I mean, that was uh, that was that was him, you know. But it was the kind of stuff that I like to do. I always like to do uh, the the play the the real guy in an absurd situation, and you couldn't get more absurd than that film House. It lives on. I mean, I know it has a a, a website. You know, RogerCobb'sHouse dot com lives on. I mean, that movie just is one of those iconic 80s moments that just, you know, like like your TV show, just continues to live on. Yeah, yeah, they did a few, you know, I think they did three more of those in that franchise, but I I don't think that they were quite as successful. Well, number one, because they didn't have me, for God's sake, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and we had a great cast, George Wendt and Richard Mall and 
Kay Lenz. We had some wonderful people in that film, and they and they did and and the director. They didn't bring any of us back. Hey, uh, Bill, when you go to Comic Con and do stuff like that, fans do they want to know what do they want to know about first? What do they want to talk about first? Um. Oh God, am I still available? And I go, jeez, I'll talk to my wife. No. <laughs> really? That's nice. <laughs> yeah, get him out of the house. That's what she's saying. Yeah, get out. No, they want to talk. Mainly, they want to talk about you know the first thing is usually greatest American hero or Carrie or House. Those are kind of the three things that stand out in my career. They just happen to be all, you know, that kind of genre, sci-fi and, uh, and adventure. Hey, I've got one last question before we go. Um, everyone knows that uh, Tim Robbins and uh, Kevin Costner still keep copies of their uh, Durham Bull outfits from their movie in the 80s. I've got to know, do you still have a pair of your magic jammies in the closet? Damn, I, I, you know, they didn't have eBay at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I would rather have burned that costume in effigy. <laughs> Then, then take it with me. You know, I think when I left that set, I ran all the way to my car. And what an idiot I was. That's all I have to say. I told Stephen uh, a few months ago, and I was sitting down, we were having lunch today, Stephen Jacano. And I said, Stephen, you should have taken me by the shoulders and shook me and told me what an idiot I was. Uh, but he didn't do that. And so uh, I kind of turned my back on the show, and that was very unfortunate because uh, – it was, a great, it was a great thing. In fact, I'll tell you something. About a year and a half later, two years later, uh, Brandon Tartikoff, who was actually the head of NBC at the time, he called me and asked me to do Greatest American Hero, and he would guarantee two years on the air wow. at double my salary. And I said, no. Well, one of the reasons is because I was doing the Paramation specials. I'd already signed on to do that. Um, but I suppose push came to shove. I could have gotten out of that. But that's what an idiot I was, you know? Nah, don't be hard on yourself. You got a legacy. Uh, there you go. That's right. I'm everywhere. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the pop culture. Yeah, Six Degrees of William Cat. It's my new game. God, there'll be no living with me after this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we really appreciate the time you spent with us today. Uh, I can't get enough William Cat. I know. It's great. Hey, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Cheers, you guys. Have a great day. You too. So there you go. Love it. William Cat talked about House. I forgot. I forgot to say, but I love the movie House. Too. Yeah, it's a, it's still hugely popular with the uh, Stuck in the 80s gang. Yeah. Now, I feel bad because uh, usually I kind of bogarted the mic a bit during that interview. Was there anything that you were dying yeah. to ask him well, and you didn't get a chance? In all fairness, we were having some technical difficulties at the beginning, and I'm sitting there like twiddling my knobs in here. You know, <laughs> literally, not figuratively. Oh, I'm such an easy laugh. That was genuine. No, but though, seriously, baby. we were having some problems, and um, I meant to ask him about the whole uh, Ralph Hinckley versus John Hinckley. Because the, the show premiered. Uh, what, three or four months before? Uh, 12 days. What? 12 days before the assassination uh, attempt of Ronald Reagan, the uh, the pilot runs with the name Ralph Hinckley. And, of course, 12 days later, John Hinckley becomes a name that nobody in the 80s will ever forget. So um, they cover it up, I think, in previous episodes. They changed his name to Hanley. Right for a while before coming back in season two, back to Hinkley. Hinkley again. Like yes. we had forgotten. Oh, all he's about in jail it. now. It's all fine, you know. 
He's, but um, how'd they cover? They covered up in weird ways too, like calling uh, Mr. H, Mr. H, and they redubbed all this stuff. They had like plane noises going over. Yeah. It's kind of weird how they didn't just stick with Hanley. Well, yeah, why didn't they just go with Hanley the whole way through? I mean, Hinkley does sound better, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I love it. And you know what else I love? What? A little thing called the segments. You ready, baby? Bring it on. Ah, yes. Time for a little feature we like to call Reader Mailbag. Sean Daly, my best friend in the universe, has picked out some doozies, right? Yeah, here, here's what we're going to do from now on, is that Reader Mailbag has become extremely popular on Stuck in the 80s. And we both get a lot of letters. That people are, We're getting tons of letters, more than we ever before these days. But people also say, read more letters, read my name. Recognize me, Sean Daly. And so I am. And so today we have four letters in the old reader ball bag. Steve, are you ready? <laughs> nice. Letter number one. Dear Stephen Sean, finally got around to listening to the latest podcast, Horrible Hits from 1983. Let me ask you something real quick, Steve. Yeah. Do we get more letters for our last show, which I think is one of our top five shows? What do you think about that? Yeah. <gasps> For shame. I didn't think it was when we recorded it. That's for sure. Oh, I thought it was magic, baby. I can feel the magic. You're too, we more, did, we you're got too much we, of an Eeyore. We got, we got a lot of emails. We probably got 70 emails from that. God damn, that's really good. They're still coming in. Plus, it's been a month since we've done a show. Anyway, the letter continues. Uh, 1983 was the year that I first remember really getting into music and listening to the radio more than I watched TV. I think that's a good thing. At the time, I loved Mickey and Mr. Roboto, but hey, I was only 10. I'd love to see a Stuck in the 80s booth at Oktoberfest. Not sure how well it would go over in Germany. It's quite a drunk fest there, and the only thing that can distract them from the beer is a good football match on TV. And this comes from Karina Curry Ness Cool, which is a hell of a name. Yep. Karina Curry Ness Cool, formerly of Germany, but still stuck in Kentucky. Nice what do you time. think? That's nice. Discouraging us from going to Germany. Karina, yeah. But that's my dream trip, is for you and I to go to Munich for Oktoberfest. Don't make that face. What's wrong with you? I'm giving you an opportunity to go to, to Munich and Oktoberfest and to drink. And like, you're like, drink, drink, <laughs> drink, and have fun and, 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 and flirt and, and grope with, with Teutonic tit willows. And you give me a look. Well, what do you want to do, huh? Well, I was kind of thinking we'd get a couple companions this weekend. No. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, oh, no, yeah. no. Oh, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. No, John, no. I'll drive. Okay. All right, I'm going. I'm continuing. You think about your rejoinder. You think about your comeback, and I'll go on to letter number two. How about that, Spearsy? Fine. Letter number two. Uh, this comes from our friend Julie in North Carolina. My dear Shawnzy and Spearsy. Julie knows how to get her letter read on the air. That doesn't sound right, though, does it? Shawnzy? No. What do you call me? Besides dick, <laughs> dildo. My dear Shawnzy and Spearsy, I was waiting impatiently for the horrible hits of 1983. I even emailed you guys begging for the podcast. This is true. She begged me a lot of different ways. Wait, that sounds dirty. I got an email. She got on my Facebook. Did she get on your Facebook and... She jump on your face? I believe she was on my Facebook. <laughs> oh, this, uh, Julie, we love you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is devolved. Uh, 
I even emailed you guys begging for the podcast. To my great delight, on May 28th, that little orange revolving arrow sat by my Stuck in the 80s podcast line in iTunes. I had no idea that's how it works. Yeah, it tells you there's a new episode. Yeah, I don't listen to the show. Anyway, not only did I get the podcast I've been waiting for, for what seemed like forever, and get this, but it came on a perfect day, my 36th birthday. Happy birthday, Julie, North Carolina. Isn't that cool? That is really cool. And we gave her a gift. <laughs> don't. Don't. Why do I look so forward to these horrible hits podcasts? My mother was an aerobics instructor for much of the 80s, and she would play the songs over and over and over, practicing her routines. Some of them I just couldn't stand, and I got sick of. I always find an evil sense of delight to hear them on the horrible hits lists. Thank you guys for your podcast, the horrible hits list, and a great birthday. Love and always stuck in the 80s, Julian, North Carolina. Great letter. Great, great, great letter. And I'm sorry we dragged it into the uh, Gutter. primordial God. muck. Sean and I are having one of those kind of weeks. and uh, One of those weeks? Swear <laughs> my life, baby. <laughs> yeah, anyway, but that's great. So, so far we've got Karina and Julie, but we have more letters. We do. Are you ready for letter number three? Go for it. Dear Stuck in the 80s dynamic duo. Nice. I'd love to hear at least part of a show dedicated to David and David's Boomtown album. It still makes me catch my breath after all these years. Thanks, Marty Wilson. Yeah. Oh, no. Not again. Here's the thing. I just bought this album on vinyl at our favorite record store in St. Pete, Daddy Cool. Yeah. Oh, come on. It's a great. You know what, Marty Wilson? If I ever have my way on this show and I don't because I'm just a lackey. Just a wee little sidekick when it's convenient, when you don't have Steve Persall or, or you know, Lonnie McHiggins or whatever coming Lonnie in here. Lonnie McHiggins. <laughs> but anyway, if I ever get my way, Marty Wilson, we will have a David and David uh, a show. David and David, David Bearwald, David Ricketts in 1986 put out the Boomtown album, this dissection of, of Los Angeles in the 80s. Don't roll your eyes at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Why do you hate this album so much? Will you do me a favor okay. for Marty and for the David and David fans out there, this beautiful uh, timepiece, this relic of 1986, could you play a little bit of the song Welcome to the Boomtown? Okay. Dude, that's not funny! <laughs> oh, God, you just want to throw something. I'm getting angry. Will you play now for real? Will you play a little bit? For okay. Marty Wilson, come on. He yes. was nice enough to send the letter. For Marty, here you go. Yes, I'm happy. Marty Wilson's happy. It's a great, great album, and it sounds great on vinyl. In fact, I'd like you to come over to my house and you listen to it. When was the last time I was at your house? I don't even want to know. <laughs> With me there yesterday, or not? Yesterday afternoon, I think, is the correct answer. My friend, we have one more letter. Go for it. Do you like, let me ask you, do you like reading multiple letters? In the, the? Yeah, sure. Why not? We have so many good ones. Less work for me. Wow, you are so negative. God, no. so less work. You know what? Less work for you, more joy for me, my friend. More joy. Even though the all the readers love you and send you the mail, I get nothing. Oh, here we go. Here comes the avalanche of Oh, and look at this one. Oh, this oh look shine. at this. This is from Blake Britton. Spearsy. No even no not even acknowledging that someone else is involved in this show. 
Spearsy, what is the significance of the trunk? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Blake Britton. Yeah, we brought that up, uh, what was it, during our Purple Rain podcast, the audio commentary. The we, trunk. We, the trunk. You know, it's funny that uh, Blake sends this letter in because just the other day I saw the trunk for the first time. Remember that? I do. I'll see you, kid. Enjoy the package. Hey, Spearsy, you're at a TP in the bathroom. You got any extra? Yeah, it's in the back closet. All right, I'll be right back. You are the teacher. Does he mean this closet or maybe the closet in his back bedroom? I'll go. I'll check that one. Hey, Spears, you mean this big black box right here? No, Sean, not that one. <gasps> it's beautiful! Sean, close your eyes. Don't look. <laughs> So, Sean, you never did kind of fess up what you saw in there. Oh, man, there was a, a, a and a chainsaw on the end and 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 there was toilet paper in there, too. Strangely oh, we'll enough. see. There you go. There you go. Yeah. It all worked out oh, for the best. Cool. As always, send your emails to stuckinies at tempe.com and stop asking about the big black box in my closet. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. Hey, it's time for me to play a segment of a movie from the 80s, and if you can get it right, I'm told that there's an entire shipment of Funyuns on its way, courtesy of uh, Uber fan Brad Williams. Brad! I love Brad! Yep. And now so, that Brad is gainfully employed again, he we're, is, we're back in, we're back in Funyuns. The, yeah, yeah, not correct. flaming hot Funyuns. Just the regular variety. Yeah, I was dying for some snacks. They remember I was asking you, and that Spearsy is on some bizarre fitness regime now. I hardly even recognize you. You're so chiseled and small. And I'm like, Spearsy, you got any snacks? I don't think you'd give me munchos, funyuns, some sort of chocolate covered nut. And you give me, what was it, a, a fiber 100 bar or something? Yeah, 33% of your daily recommended allowance of fiber. <laughs> My body instantly rejected it. Did not, you eat it? Not in a good way. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. I don't even know you anymore. Where do you see this guy, people? It's amazing. Yeah, we'll see about that. Pay attention. Here was last week's clip. Your friends are loud, lewd, coarse sportsmen. I've been penalized. Sean, any guess? No idea. Neither did anybody Ooh, else. Really? This is the very first week that I can ever remember that nobody even tried, really. I mean, we had a couple people who were kind of like, eh. So, normally I'd just give away the answer and we'd start afresh. No. I'm going to give you another clip from the same movie. Really? Yeah. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Is this bad lady squeezing your genitals? Yes. Is that any easier now? Do you think that's more obvious? Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. I I think you had this little hint of recognition on your face. Or it could have been the fiber. <laughs> we'll see. If you know it, email us at stuckinies@tampa.com, And you too can enjoy some Brad Williams' delicious Funyuns. Ah, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Hey, signature event here on the podcast. Time to play a snippet of a song from the 80s. And if you can get it right, I'm telling you, it's Snack Food City here. Shortly, any day now. 
the Snap magical food city. Here we come. <laughs> what did you eat? What did you eat to cause this like explosion? Laffy taffy. Oh, I thought you were kidding. No, I really, I really ate Laffy Taffy because I needed something that was like delicious and fun after you gave me that crap bar. You know what I had after the crap bar? What? Fiber One yogurt with another You're... 33% of my daily Dude, recommended allowance of fiber. we're going to have to start doing the show sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Again? <laughs> Pay attention. Yes. Here was last week's mystery tune. <laughs> yeah, that's Lita Ford with Kiss Me Deadly. The great Lee the Ford, she was just in town. Yeah. Would have been great to talk to her about all sorts of things. Like the runaways. Yeah. And the her men in her life. life. Yeah. yeah not. Unfortunately, not a single person in Stuck in the 80s Nation got this right. I don't think anybody got it wrong. What? Look. Look at the list. It's <gasps> ridiculous. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, you want to no, read off the winners? It's yours this time. Yeah, because that first name is a bitch there. Yes, the winners. There's a ton of them. Get ready. See if your uh, name is called. Jason Janvran of Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia. Rush Cress. Corey Coffin from Cambridge, Ontario, Canada. <laughs> see, Canada's in all caps. Oh, I see. You're trying to throw no, me that's, Oh, that's Canada the- did it again. Thanks a lot. Great White North. Mike Z of Pasadena, Maryland. Deborah of Wichita, Kansas. Carol Jansen of Auburn, Washington. Jim Ketcher of Cedar Falls, Iowa. Doc Hamilton. Katie S. Giblet Croft in Studio City. Roop in Tacoma Park, Maryland. Jody in Brandon, Florida. And the great Todd Cunningham. Mm, pay attention. Here is this week's mystery tune. I don't even know if I want to ask you, Sean, but I'll go through the motions. You know, I love uh, Southern California rock and roll, so thanks for picking that one. That was great. Nicely done. If you know it, email us at stuckingsattempe.com. And I swear to God, Sean, if you eat the rest of the Funyuns before I can mail them out, you're a dead man. Hey, Sean and Steve. This is Jacob from Nebraska. Uh, I just got done listening to your hair metal episode, and I must say that it was pretty awesome. Uh, But I also must say that it utterly infuriates me that all your other so-called fans have been doing nothing but hating on you guys with their nasty hate mail lately. So, I thought I'd just say that the Stuck in the 80s podcast is a podcast, so keep it up. And I will be forever stuck in the 80s. The great and very profane Jacob from Nebraska. Thank you very much for the fan greeting. Sorry, we had to bleep it. A lot of bleeping on today's show. Yeah. A lot of bleeping. Sort of necessary. I guess I can't uh, gather my family around the hearth and enjoy this episode. Do you have a hearth? Is there a hearth of the Daily Mance? You know damn well I have a hearth because I caught you naked (laughs) on the bearskin rug in front of my hearth. All right. Here's, let's go back. Can we get back to Greatest American Hero? The yes. reason why we're all here today? Yes. You go off on your flights of fancy. <laughs> anyway, one of the, the I think the, the great, uh, there's a great reason for the success of the show, and uh, that was the theme song. Yeah. Uh, by Joey Scarberry, who uh, did, uh, believe it or not, it's called, the theme from Greatest American Hero. And Joey Scarberry, he did a lot of songs for the show. 
Stephen J. Cannell uh, tucked in a lot. He, I think he did a cover of Rocket Man for the show. In the pilot episode, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and th- th- was it a number one hit? It was number two. In fact, really? you, you don't even I don't even think you hear, believe it or not, in the pilot. You hear the orchestration for it. But I don't think Joey's uh, Scarberry song appears until episode two. You know uh, who wrote the music for that song? Uh, Mike Post, right? The great Mike Post. I have a Mike Post uh, uh, Poster? album. No, shut up. No, I have it on vinyl. It's right next to David and David. I bet. Yeah, you can come over and listen to both of those. But, of course, Mike Post, um, you probably think this is his best theme song of all time. When, in fact, Mike Post also did theme songs for the Rockford Files, Magnum P.I., my favorite show from the 80s. Yeah, good one. Hill Street Blues. Don't, you know what? You're just sitting there. God, I just want to smack your face. You did a list of the greatest theme songs of the 80s. Where did um, this uh, wind up? Number seven, actually. And now that I think more about it, I feel kind of bad about that. Because I, I agree with you that without this theme song, I wonder how many people would still have that. I mean, you have it as soon as you hear that song, you're like, boom, greatest American hero. Is it on your iPod? Yeah. You don't have an iPod. I have an iPod. You, no, you don't. See, I was trying to trick you there. It's on mine. It's in my top 20, baby, because I play it when I'm feeling blue. Well, I got to deal with your crap all day. I got to go home and I got to feel better about myself. I put on really? Joey Scarberry. I put on Charles in Charge. <laughs> I, I changed Spears. He's in charge <laughs> no, of the podcast. Wang. Anyway, uh, didn't wasn't there a Seinfeld joke about yeah. this? Yeah, uh, George changes the uh, message on his answering machine. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Obviously, I brought a lot of enthusiasm to this show today and a lot of passion. Oh, don't even, you're, I know where you're you going with you this. Know, you were just giving me like the thinker. You're in there like you're bored. You're thinking about something else. I don't even like your poses or your body language today. This is this is a new Sean Daly. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a Sean Daly. That Maybe cares. you're the Robert Culp. Maybe I'm the William Cat. You're not. You can't. I know. Wants to see you in the jammies. More people would rather see me in the Magic Jammies than you in the. Last magic. time you wore you know Magic what? Jammies in the '80s, we all know what happened to him. <laughs> thanks to Pamela Sue Martin. I don't think we want oh, any wow, pajamas. Attention. No pajamas near Mr. Daly. Send this is to the reader. Send in a, le- uh, a note. Who would you rather see in the Magic Jammies, Sean or Steve? Oh, we're well, gonna win that one. Why? Are you kidding me? These people love you, despite the, the, the passion I bring. Come on, who would you rather see in the jammies? We'll see. In the meantime... <laughs> who would you rather see out of the jammies? Ooh. It's a bonus question. It's extra credit. <laughs> it's not really a bonus at great all. Great show. Hey, th- uh, great William Catt. I really had fun doing God, that one. it was so much fun. So much fun. In the meantime, William Catt, myself, Sean Daly. You Boy. smug son of a bitch. We're all going to stay here hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for providing music for the credits. Read the blog at blogs.tampabay.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Dude. I can't do it. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs>
<laughs> <laughs> Wait, give me. How do 